Now David came to Nob to Ahimelech the priest. And Ahimelech was afraid when he met David and said to him, Why are you alone and no one is with you? So David said to Ahimelech the priest, The king has ordered me on some business. And, I said, and he said to me, do not let anyone know anything about the business on which I send you or what I have commanded you. And I have directed my young men to such and such a place. Now, therefore, what have you on hand? Give me five loaves of bread in my hand or whatever you can be found. And the priest answered David and said, There is no common bread on hand, but there is holy bread, which, or if the young men have at least kept themselves from women. Then David answered, Truly, women have been kept from us about three days since I came out. And the vessels of the young men are holy. And the bread is in effect common, even though it was consecrated in the in the vessel this day. So the priest gave him holy bread, for there was no bread there but the showbread, which had been taken from before the Lord, in order to put hot bread in its place on the day when it was taken away. Now a certain man of the servants of Saul was there, that day detained before the Lord. And his name was Doeg, an Edomite, the chief of the herdsmen who belonged to Saul. And David said to Ahimelech, Is there not here on hand a spear or a sword? For I have brought neither my sword nor my weapons with me, because the king's business required haste. So the priest said, The sword of Goliath the Philistine, whom you killed in the valley of Elah, there it is, wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If you will take that, take it, for there is no other except that one here. And David said, there is, none like, there is none like it. Give it to me. Then David arose and fled that day from before Saul and went to Achish, the king of God. And the servants of Achish said to him, is this not David, the king of the land? 
Did they not sing of him to one another in dances, saying, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands? Now David took these words to heart and was very much afraid of Achish, the king of God. So he changed his behavior before them, pretended madness in their hands, scratched on the doors of the gate, and let his saliva fall down on his beard. <laughs> then Achish said to his servants, Look, you see the man in you see the man is insane. Why have you brought him to me? Have I need of madmen that you have brought this fellow to play the madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? <laughs> uh, let's think about it for a moment. We have here the continual story of David just running. He's been on the move, and even today as we see in the scripture, David is still on the move. He's still on the move. But let's see what he's up to. As we have read here in the Bible, David runs after they made a covenant with um, Jonathan. He is deeply wounded at heart, thinking of Saul who wants to take his life. Maybe he's getting to a point where he's exhausting all his way out. Nowhere to go. David is fleeing from Saul, but he comes to this city of Nome. He comes and meets a man or a priest called Ahimelech the priest. In this uncertain circumstance, David went to the right place, into the house of God. Things are not working out. Um, every other side, you know, from family to your workplace to losing your best friends to just basically losing everything. The last time he was, um, Saul was on his neck, he ran to Samuel. And we see a trend that when he's deeply troubled, at least he knows where to run to. He knows where to go to. And here we see that he goes and visit or go and see Mahimelech in the house of the Lord. And this priest was afraid when David showed up. Many possible reasons. He didn't know what to expect of a man who just was, you know, gave the children of Israel victory. And now this man 
comes empty-handed. He knows that David lodges at Saul's place. He works there. But he shows up empty-handed. Ahimelech was afraid when he met David. It seems very unusual to Ahimelech that a prominent man like David wandered around the villages of Judea by himself. It made the priest to think that something was wrong. And so he asked David, why are you alone and no one is with you? It's like they've repeated themselves. <laughs> why are you alone? No one is with you. But nonetheless, this is not the usual occurrence. If you'd see David, you'd know that there is, you know, he comes with a troop of people. He's always been in charge. Since the victory, he's in charge of a group of men. But he is alone. It seems right away that the priest knew that something was wrong. There was maybe a conflict between David and Saul. That is why he shows up unceremoniously without anything in his end. It seems very strange and dangerous to him that David traveled alone. Plus, we can imagine that David looked very tired from wandering in the villages. He was weary and probably looked like he was been, been crying a lot. Why? He just lost a brother, a friend. They, they just made a covenant and parted ways. This was not a very good time or moment for this man, David. Then the priests asked him, say, the king has ordered me on some business. Is that true, church? <laughs> I don't want to go through the debate that I've seen with people or read. But he said, the king ordered me on some business. We know for sure that the king did not order him. This was a lie. David came to the house of the Lord but he lied to protect himself. He was a troubled man. He thought the only place he can find strength and solace and encouragement and protection is in the house of the Lord. He shows up there, but then he doesn't tell the truth. Typical, huh? We show up in the presence of that. but we don't speak truth. He lied to protect himself. And he went on elaborating on this lie. <laughs> you know, when, when you are to become a liar, 
you, you must be a very brilliant fella. Because for you to really bring things together, that now this is what I'm going to tell them, and this is going to win their hearts. This is what I'm going to bring forth, and they must agree with me. They must see that I'm honest, but I know for sure this is not honesty. He elaborated on his lie when he put false words that Saul sent him and Saul didn't. And also to establish this, he tells the priest, these are not to be voiced to any other person. Because normally when the king would send people, you know, this Letters would be read before people, you know, everyone in the town would know the reason why the king sent a messenger and, you know, the priest and the family of priests and people around basically would be aware of the message. But he said, no, don't, do not let anyone know anything about the business on which I sent you. This is what he tells the priest. And also, we see that he uh, referred to the young man, but he was alone. This is a man who is troubled, for sure. This is a man who has seen victory from God, but now he's afraid and this fear is causing him to say things he shouldn't have. And in many ways, probably we can understand at least the reason why David is saying things that are not true. Because we want to protect ourselves from situations. We do that a lot. Because I don't want people to know this about me. I don't want them to have this image about me. So I'm going to drop something. He said he was with some young men. But we know that he was alone. So we who are sinner like David, the man... We know when we are crafting things just to protect ourselves. Perhaps we can sympathize with him. We could have done the same thing or even probably worse more. When we have read it and we've gone ahead of ourselves, we're like, man, this guy, but the Lord just spoke to him. The Lord just gave him victory. The Lord did this. Why is he not being faithful? It's easier for us to say those words. But we know for sure we could have done even worse in similar situations. And you know when, when we lie about things, it, it will catch up with us someday. It will come back someday. The things you lied about, it will either destroy the people who are around you or you yourself. Basically, you yourself will be destroyed 
thinking about the lie. We shall see that uh, when we get to uh, chapter 22, verses 22. People are going to be killed because of this lie that he made in this place. It is not something to be excused. He had the ability to say what is right. If you're running into the house of the Lord, would you just in your mind think that the Lord is more than able? You remember when uh, the, the giant was mocking God's people, what did he say? You know, you, you're coming to me with javelins and all these things. I come to you in the name of the Lord. I come to you in the name of the Lord. Would you just get to a point in this situation where you'll remember that, ah, I need to get these situations in the name of the Lord. The Lord will grant me victory. Why? Because I'm walking in his path. It's easier for us to run away. Run away. These lies, you know, we, sometimes we, we call them half-truths. Those are the dangerous ones. Very dangerous. These are the things that he said. The king has sent me. Is there not here on hand a spear or a sword? For I have brought neither my sword nor my weapons with me because the king's business required haste. Think about it for a moment. He sent for the king. How does the king send people empty-handed? <laughs> we don't see it. It's not a normal occurrence. Even the people who are not very wise would be very suspicious of David at this point. You're coming and you're saying you've been sent and it is very urgent and the king just sent you like that? How does the king send you without anything in your hands? Look at the history of God and humanity. The beginning of time. When God would call people, he sent people. He sent Moses, say, what do you have in your hand? I have this. Go. What do you have in your hands? Because the king does not send us into the field empty-handed. So the priest said, the sword of Goliath the Philistine, whom you killed in the valley of Elah, there it is, wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If you take it, if you take that, take it. For there is no other except that one here. And David said, there is none like it. Give it to me. David knew, you know, these words before 
He actually was the one who took it there. This was not very far from where the battle was arrayed when he killed the giant. And now we are looking at a heart that is a bit twisted at this point, a bit twisted. That whatever it is, give it to me. Why is he in haste of taking the sword? Does he think that he will be protected by the sword? You know what Jesus said? Those who live by the sword will die by it. You live by the sword, you die by it. And now we see the man David, he's excited of having this thinking that perhaps this will protect him. How deceived we can be sometimes that we would walk into the house of God, but we would look for other things to protect us apart from the Lord himself. We would lodge into the house of God, but really, we're not there. We have our own reasons for getting in there. I don't know your reason for being in the house of the Lord. You're seeking the Lord or you're seeking the things that the Lord would give you instead. Give it to me. Give it to me. I want it. Give that person to me. I want this for myself. I want this for myself. This for myself. Give it to me. Haven't you guys seen, even in church, people will walk in church and they will look around like, I want that for me. <laughs> I want that. Why are they not giving me this? Why is the church not concerned about me? You're coming to worship the Lord, but really, we don't know if you really worshiping him or you're doing something else. Then he was given and then we meet another guy here on the way. It's called Doeg, an Edomite. He is described as the chief of Headsman. That word chief would mean the mighty or can also be used to mean violent. And we are actually, we are going to see before long how this would turn to be, how this man would turn to be. Um, this man, the Bible says, he was detained before the Lord. And the reason for his detainment is very unclear. Maybe the Lord will help you to find it out and you will help all of us. I don't know the real reason why he is detained here. Maybe he's here because he was the chief of herdsmen. Perhaps he brought 
you know, some of the animals to the priest to be slaughtered for some reasons because he worked at Saul's place. We don't know. I don't know. Maybe there are other reasons. But he is called the chief of the herdsmen. Detained before the Lord. But what we'll see with his character, it is hard to think that he did a real spiritual business before the Lord at the tabernacle. He was probably fulfilling some ceremonial requirements related to his employment for the king of Israel. Maybe that is why he was detained over there or he lodged there. So this is what David said. Is there not here on hand a spear or a sword? As I just mentioned, we can understand why David really wanted weapons and why he asked. Someone is about to kill him. He doesn't know where to go. Considering what the king's business was, David told the truth when he said, the king's business requires haste. Okay? That part is true. But not in the way that David meant it. Because the king's business was in haste to destroy and to finish this man. But it was not in haste for any important business that would cause him to send David to the priest. If, if the king wanted to actually send someone, we already see someone, dog, he's there, sent with the king. The king would have sent someone else and just leave David to be who he is. He was a mighty man of war. You don't want to send such people. You don't know what would happen. You know, your, your enemies might be at the door somewhere, scheming. And when they see them, or would see David going with the troop, they would say, maybe this is the right time to go and attack the king. Because his mighty warrior is not with him. But that is not what we see. We see just David just wanting to protect himself. It is very painful to the last degree to see whose faith toward to such a lofty hate in the encounter with Goliath coming down from that noble elevation to find him reasoning or resorting for self-protection. Think about the victory that God just gave you and then you're resorting to protect yourself without the Lord. He did not inquire of the Lord. He was very happy to have found a good weapon. 
You know what he said? There is none like it. Give it to me. You know what I was thinking? You know, as, as David had the sword, he should have remembered how he came to win the battle. As he held the sword in his hand, he should have remembered how the victory came about. He didn't do it with lies or half-truths. He did it with a bold trust in God, a trust that believed God and trusted him to sort the consequences. Sometimes, and you will hear people speak of their former victories, you know. Back in the days, we used to do this. Back in the days, we preached the gospel. Back in the days, we went for, you know, one-on-one -on -one evangelism. Back in the days, we did this. Back in the days, back in the days. Now, today is not back in the days. Today is today. What is the Lord doing in your life? Or what are you doing for the kingdom today? The victory that you received those days, let them go. They were for that appointed time. I wish you could have remembered that this same sword I'm holding, I did held it a few minutes after that man was killed. And who did it? God did it. God planted a stone in his brain. <laughs> Whatever was in his mind was a stone, literally. He died. Would you remember the things that the Lord has done for you to ignite faith, to ignite belief that God will still do it again? You pick up yourself and go and say, Lord, here I am. Lead me. There is none like it. He's giving praises to this weapon. I mean, I think he should be worshiping God and say, there is none like the Lord. <laughs> he said, there is none like it. And I love it. There is none like this weapon. Give it to me. Knowing that something is precious and wonderful makes us always to crave and to want it. We know it's precious. It's like, give it to me. And this applies to every aspect of our lives, whether it's relationships. You know that this man, this woman is precious before the Lord and before you. And because you don't want to wait, you're like, give it to me. I want it right now. Right now. If you love me, you will hear my voice. <laughs> if you love me, you will obey me. That is not how it goes. 
give it to me. This man, and there are very wonderful psalms he will write in this situation to actually tell us more of what we are not reading here because he will, at the end of it, speak of his heart. How he was wrong and the Lord was so merciful to him. The priest gave him the sword. And so, here in the next verse, from verses 10, David arose and fled that day from before Saul and went to Achish, the king of God. Now, you would actually say David is not in his right mind. He's fleeing to go to the king of what? The king of God, Goliath's hometown with Goliath's sword. I mean, you're just looking for that. <laughs> so, when people run away from the presence of the Lord, the things they think in their minds are very wise are very foolish. They would kill you. These things will kill you. They're not very wise decisions we make when we go out of the presence of God. <laughs> he arose and fled, attempting to protect himself with clever lies instead of trusting God to protect him. This did not bring a lasting result. When Akish the king of God, you know, heart of David. David was now amongst the what? The Philistines. He must have been discouraged or deceived to think that he could find peaceful refuge amongst these enemies of Israel. Especially carrying this sword into their hometown. That was... A wrong move for David that day. It didn't make sense for the man who carried Goliath's sword to go to Goliath's hometown. It didn't make sense at all. And the servants of Archie say to him, is this not David the king of the land? Did they not sing of him to one another in dances and saying, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. Now David took these words to heart and he was very much afraid of Akish, the king of God. See the predicament. You're running into the enemy's camp. You think they're not going to know who you are. They even know the song that was sung that day. They know the songs of praises that were given to you. Victorious man. Is this not David? 
This is, it's not just knowing David by name, knowing what was said about him, because this fame was spreading like fire that time. Who killed Goliath? David, the son of Jesse. This is what he did. And all the, you know, the women sang these songs. And this is what happened. And he's now with the king. And do you know actually what they said? They say, is this not David, the king of the land? Is David the king right now? But they know that David is king. They know that David was anointed king of Israel. Though he's behaving foolishly, but he's the king. (laughs) That would be a sad thing that people would recognize, you know, how much God has called you, but you don't take it serious. You don't honor that call and to do what God really called you to do. You're being hasty. You want an easy way out. And as we see here, there is no easy way out. They sang. This was a very popular song. Your song of victory is already known in the enemy's camp. It is known what you're going to do about it. They know who you are. You can't hide. But it's, uh, the Bible says David took these words to heart and he was afraid. He thought he would find strength in the enemy's camp. He heard these words and he was afraid. He was deeply afraid of what they would do. The king knows who I am. I don't have an army. And actually, if we will read the book of Psalms, and we will see that David actually, he was captured. He writes in Psalms and gives us extra details about what really happened. David's words in Psalms 56 helps us Understand what happened here. The title of the Psalms identify it as the song he wrote when the Philistine captured him in God. And apparently, although 1 Samuel 21 doesn't detail it, the Philistines captured David when he came to God. They probably captured him and presented him to the king. And said, it's this. This is the king. He's the king of the land. The, David thought he would find sympathy. Or people would not know him. Amongst the ungodly Philistines. But he was wrong. You know what we do sometimes? We do things and then we run in the middle of the non-believers, and we think we are safe in there, we can do whatever we want, because they don't know us. You think they don't know who you are. 
you know the, what they said of Peter? Even your walking style. I wonder how they were walking, these disciples. <laughs> you know, everything that you are betrays you. Your speech, how you wear clothes. Well, nowadays, it's freestyle. You can't even know sometimes. But then, he runs into the enemy's camp. He thinks they're not going to be aware of who I am. I will disguise myself. <laughs> that was not very clever. So what do we get from there? Don't go to the enemy's camp. They know who you are, and they will act accordingly. If you think they don't know, they already know who you are. Psalms 56 also shows that the slide that started on the road from Jonathan and continued on into Gath has now stopped. David was on a higher ground again. This was the difference between David and Saul. Both of them slipped, but Saul kept sliding while David turned back to the Lord. So if you go back and read the whole of that psalm, it will help you understand how he was quick to realize that you can only find mercy in the hands of God. You don't find mercy in the hands of your enemies. And he quickly went up again from his backsliding state, though his counterpart Saul went down and down and down. And this is a great lesson for us, a principle for us to learn. You know, we, we don't get ourselves sliding on the mud and then we say, well, now that I'm in here, I can as well stay. You don't entertain sin. You don't entertain lies. You don't entertain, you know, fornication. You don't entertain anything that is of the flesh. And say, you know, as because I'm here, just going to continue. Probably not. That might not be a very brilliant idea. That was the difference between him and Saul. And that marks the difference with the one who has received Jesus Christ and knows him to be his Lord and Savior. That though I have fallen, though I have gone this route, but the Lord has called me again through his grace and mercy, I can come back to him. Great is thy faithfulness. Oh God. And then we see here next that to escape, David forges an idea. <laughs> and who thinks about these things, friends? Who comes about with this? <laughs> uh, this 
David took these words to heart and was very much afraid of Akish, the king of God. So he changed his behavior. Like, they just, they captured him, as we will read in the Psalms. They captured him, brought him before the king. He was sober then. But because these words were voiced before the king, he was afraid. He was never afraid of the man who was blaspheming the name of God. But he's afraid now because they know that he is the king of the people he fought for. It's a sad reality. So he changed his behavior before them, pretended madness in their hands. <laughs> I don't know how he pretended madness like this. He wanted to kill someone. He wanted or how he talked. I mean, you guys know mad people. <laughs> you know their behavior. You see mad people and you want to run away. In fact, there are some, you just see them with some rungus. They are walking with no problems. You don't want to come close, right? <laughs> you don't know what they are thinking. You don't know. You don't want to be close to a madman. Uh, pretended madness in their hands. David acted in a strange manner, scratching on the doors of the gate and letting saliva fall down on his nicely trimmed beard. <laughs> uh, it was as if David foamed at the mouth. How did he do that? I mean, how did he just... <laughs> I don't know medically how you can do that. I, don't, I just don't know. Just <laughs> making saliva flow. <laughs> Sometimes, honestly, you read these stories in the Bible and it cracks you up. Like this is also read it in the Bible. This is, in, this is the breath of God. Said so this man did what? <laughs> he pretended mad and scratching things. Probably he scratched a few people to scare them. You know. Letting saliva run. Basically. David humiliated himself before the Philistines and acted like a madman. And this would be very convincing. Saliva on the beard, this is very convincing. Trust me. <laughs> You're holding someone and they're starting to do things and saliva coming out like, maybe he has a condition. We didn't know before we captured him. And the king, at the end of the, we read it. Say, who am I that you're bringing a madman to me? <laughs> who, what do you think I am? 
some decency. Decency required here. He pretended. Then a kiss said to his servants, Look, you see a madman is insane. Why have you brought him to me? Why have you brought a mad man to me? This is not a madman. This is a man who is trying to find a way out by himself without the Lord. This is a man who was given a testimony of how God used him to protect his father's sheep in the jungle. This is a man who has seen victory bringing down a man who was the, the champion of the Philistine, and they feared him. After he killed the Philistine, in other places we read that he also garnered other victories. The Bible said that he would smote them, bring back victory. What is happening right now? He's gone downhill. But I don't know what is going through his mind. Because when he writes the Psalms, the stories have changed. He now gives us the perspective of what he felt of the Lord that season and that time. Was David walking in the spirit or in the flesh when he started doing all these things? If we see or I would urge you to go and read because we, are, we don't have a lot of time. Read Psalms 56. Because we see a change of tones and the writings happened before David escaped. And it made sense that the Lord would guide David into the paths of escape that would humble him. When David tried to protect himself with the lies and tried to find refuge amongst the ungodly, he relied, he really was not paying attention to the voice of God. He acted insane. But when David repented and asked for mercy and trusted again in the Lord, it was as if the Lord said, You've been acting like a madman. Keep the act going and I'll give you a way out. So please let's go and read the Psalms and see how God um, helped David to turn around, not to dwell in that horrible situation. I don't know if you have in any way found yourself in a situation that you actually took yourself in and you're wondering how you're going to get out. Sometimes we shall read in the scripture and you will see that God 
uses the situation for the good of them who trust in him. The question is, when you have realized that you didn't trust in God, would you be quick enough to go back to him and say, Lord, I went astray. I wasn't thinking right. I wasn't in my right mind when I was doing all these things. Help me. The Lord is great in mercy. The Bible says his mercies are new every morning. Yesterday, this was the situation. You turn around, God will guide you. God will lead you. You'll find yourself in situations. You know how it's recorded in the Bible that David is a man after God's own heart. God has a group of funny people with him. <laughs> a group of weirdos with him. We do insane things, but still, he's merciful to us. What I wouldn't urge you to do is to do these things, to indulge in sin, and to continue in them. Should we continue in sin so that grace might abound? Certainly not. But in our weakness, we draw strength from the Lord. When we are wandering, we, are, we, we think if I go to that kingdom, if I go to that county, maybe, maybe Nairobi County will do me good. <laughs> maybe. If the Lord did send you there, don't go. Stay here. If he sent you, Go immediately. Don't ask for permission. Go. The one thing I am training myself to actually learn and get is to trust God daily. You guys know how that thing is hard? It is hard. It's not easy. So, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm trusting God. <laughs> Many people say but they don't mean it. They say, oh, oh I, na mini mungu. Atatenda. Atahaya, yatapita. <laughs> we, we barely trust God when it comes to a lot of situations. We always have our way out, like David. Perhaps if I, you know, take the sword and run to God, these people, they, they won't pursue me like my own king, my own leader is pursuing me, my boss. We'll continue with the next chapter where we see there are roadblocks everywhere, literally everywhere. 
but through the mercies of God, David was restored. He was restored. He didn't remain in his wayward thoughts. He, he was actually not mad. He pretended mad. <laughs> he acted mad. And then the Lord speaks to him. You, wouldn't it be funny to have that conversation with the Lord? <laughs> and he's asking you this question. So, you pretended mad. What was going through your mind? <laughs> and let's talk. Let's reason together. What were you up to? You didn't think that I wasn't able to help? You thought that I just reigned. You thought that I was invincible. You thought that I was unreachable. Or your situations communicated to you that God is not able to help you. I mean, think about it. Think about all these things that you have seen, I've done through you, and you have witnessed all these victories. You're having the sword of a man you killed with a stone. This man has been fighting all his life. He died with what in his brain? A stone. One thing I want to ask you tonight before we leave is what's in your mind? <laughs> what's in there? Is it something that brings death or something that brings life? Because these stones, before David showed up, they were the, not the cause of Goliath's death. No one ever thought about it, that this would bring about the death of this giant. You know those little things, you see them on the road like, this, this can't kill me. This won't hurt me. It's not too bad. At least I'm just touching it. It's not too bad. Placing your hands on fire, you'll burn. Even when you hide it, you're hiding a burnt finger, right? <laughs> you'll burn. Don't run away from the reality of things. You know, sometimes... Or many times, men who have um, impregnated girls in school and just basically women, they run away and they think they are not parents. Or they encourage those women to kill their babies. And in their mind, they're like, it is her who killed. If, if that child is dead, you're a father of a dead child. You are a father. So you don't ignore these small things. The Bible tells you to run away from things. Just run. Just run. You guys have read Galatians chapter 5, right? 
listed of the works that we know, the works that we can relate with, the works of the flesh. There are so many, so many. But then those who are spiritually minded, those who are born of the Spirit, there is the fruit that ought to be seen in us as we live as believers. David thought, because he's, you know, from running from his boss, people won't know him. You're thinking you're running away from fellowship, from this group of people, this other group of people won't really pay attention to who you are or they don't know who you are. You will be surprised. You will be surprised. In the middle of Kaloleni where you've never been, you're like, someone, hi, I'm Chungi. <laughs> Honestly, one thing that tries to keep me in check is I'm walking on the street and I just hear, Chungi. I don't have any idea who they are. I just know that they know me somehow. So you're walking on the streets, you just know, hey, this might be the next person who knows you. <laughs> so I have to focus, keep check, keep on track. And actually, I think it's a good thing that the Lord does to people like us. It's like, if they didn't exist there, then we'll behave silly. God just bring them on your way. You're there busy thinking of things like, hi, hi, oh. Yeah. <laughs> the Lord is merciful. His grace, his grace abounds to everyone who has called on his name. Amen. Amen. The Lord blesses. And thank you for being here tonight. Lord, we are thankful that we learn these principles from your word. Uh, not to ignore these things. Because when we run away and we don't run to you, we see what happens at the end of the day. There is destruction that comes away. There is lying that comes our way. There is pride that comes with all these things when we are not um, within the boundaries of where you, um, you have placed us to. And so, Lord, we ask tonight that you'd help us, Lord, in our weak strength. Or we, we know we don't have strength apart from what we have received from you. So we ask that you would lead us, that you would guide us, that you would be with us in every um, day's situation that comes upon us. Uh, sometimes we don't want to talk about these things. We don't talk about how we have failed, how we, we have sinned against you. But Lord, you know there's nothing that is hidden in us for you are God. So I, I pray that you help our hearts that we would repent. We see David is called a man after your own heart, not because he was perfect, but because he would realize his sins and turn back to you. 
And Lord, I pray that tonight, even as we disperse ourselves to go to our various homes, I pray that you keep our minds in check, that we'll uh, think of the things that are above where you're seated at the throne, that we'll gaze upon your throne, we'll fix our eyes on the heavenly things, oh God. So help us and be with us as we go. In Jesus' name, amen.